It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling it, Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging it, Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Look at Raddick, he's dropped the gloves with Rivers. The referee or the linesman should yeah. jump in here. You can't let a guy like Rivers continue to throw punches. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in to Hunter. Hunter shooting, rebound, Recognize the score! Here comes Shovel Day, he'll be thrown out of the game! Curtis Joseph grabs Shovel Day, and the two goalies go at it! Head to head, and Joseph with three great rights! New Terjana Hall looking for 500, he shoots, he scores! Brad Hall, number 500! Tarasenko, in the clear, he scores! And now, here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, Blues fans. Welcome to the Monday morning edition of your Blues NHL podcast. I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Let's uh, welcome into the show, in studio. I know everybody missed him as he was a working man doing his thing. Mr. Darren Kimball, what's going on? Well, I had to come back, you know... People were calling. They wanted to spice it up a little bit here, so I get back in studio now to help you guys out a little bit. Yeah, uh, Mr. Rivers, noticeably absent, busy. You know, hey, everybody works, right? He's got his work, uh, got his work thing going on today. Um, you know, I, uh, I got, uh, I, you know, we're gonna try to call Jamie. Um, you know, we have a text into him. He's got some meetings going on. So just so that everybody knows, we're gonna try to call him here eventually. I'm just not 100% sure when that'll be or if it'll be. So, um, uh, you know, I can I can let you guys know. Well, you'll hear, you'll hear his walk-up music. He's got his own walk-up music, Kenny. <laughs> um, do the Blues need some walk-up music or walk-out music? What do you do with that nonsense? You know what? I, I was coming on the way in here, and I, we're not uh, – I don't, I don't know how you keep talking about this. It's the same, it's the same conversation every week. Well, Every week. well, we can talk about some things, I guess. I mean, we can what talk the, about. What are the people saying? Are they getting back to you here? What are they talking no, about? I mean, it's, you know what? I got to tell you. asking the same question. No, you know what? I got to tell you. Um, you know, we pay very close attention to social media only because, you know, it, now you guys are always going to, like, I'm going to give you what I think as a fan. And, and then I try to, um, I try to relay the message from some fans, whether I agree with it or not. And then. You guys are going to give what you see, but the truth of the matter is this has been the same thing going on since day one. Yeah. So how many times can you say the same thing over and over again? So it's actually like it's not even now like trying to figure it out. It's just people are like genuine, like genuinely just like, how did this happen? I, l- listen, I, you, I will say this. You since day one have not. Were, was, you were not as impressed with the off-season moves as everybody else was. I, I don't know. I was impressed with the Buffalo move. I really was. Yeah, yeah. The but Buffalo move but the makeup of the roster, you yeah. since day one have no. said. I, now, I've compared it to this, and I think this would be the fan in me. And, and I, again, I'm not speaking for other fans. I'm, I'm going by what I see. And then I'm just making a deduction, and that is this. Um, you know, looking at the roster, we're not – built to play I don't even know what we're built to play I don't think we're particularly fast we're not slow but we're not fast we're not um tough 
I we, we can't play hard. Um, we're not scoring at all uh, from the from from the people you would expect for sure. Um, so I, I'm not sure what we are. Now that being said, I think if you go back, when you're a team that needs better players and you have some guys that haven't performed, I think anytime you add good hockey players, you start getting excited. I I don't. It, I don't think, and you stop me anytime I'm wrong here, it isn't that, and I'm just going to go through the additions, right? Like, Tyler Bozak's not a bad hockey player. David Perron is not a bad hockey player. Ryan Riley obviously is not a bad hockey player. Um, but when you add these guys, did you add the right guys? And that's, I, is it, am I wrong in thinking, when you have roster spots, Pat Maroon, same boat, um, when you have roster spots, instead of just adding what is the equivalent of a better hockey player, do the better teams add a certain type of player when they have a roster spot? And maybe is that where we went wrong here? I, you know, I, I think you're, I think you're correct in what you're saying. My, my, my thing is, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to put this into pretty simple term, uh, terms here. <clears throat> I coach a 14 year old team, and we were up in uh, Detroit this weekend, and uh, we won, we lost four games, we won one game, but you know we're losing games by goal, um, can't find any score, and we go up there play five games, score six goals. So we, we know we don't we don't we don't score many goals. So I, I continue to tell the kids. I said uh, you have to do things right in your defensive zone. I said that's the biggest thing. I said we're going to have to win games two to one, one nothing, so on so forth, et cetera. So you know, and, and the kids they're fourteen years old. I, I can't expect a fourteen year old kid to step up and be a leader in a locker room. It, it's it's hard at that point. You know, they, they're just getting they're just starting to get uh, hair on their nuts and all this stuff. So you know, you you can't expect too much out of them. Um, so that that goes on in that process, Chromes, and then when I, I look at the Blues, um, and, and so now they're playing the world's best players, and if you're going to sit around and screw around and not go to uh, t- pay attention to detail at playing the highest level players in the in the business, you're going to get it stuck right up your ass so hard, and 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 these guys aren't, and, and that's what's going on with the Blues. You know, they're not their defensive zone. I, I and now I don't get to watch the whole game uh, last yesterday because I was traveling and uh, just with all the commotion going on. But I went and I, I replayed the goals that went on through the process, and I watched defensemen like even Kachuk's goal on, on the power play goal. There, there ain't a fucking guy near him. You know, he's standing there, which I I agree. Let him stand there. You don't want to put a because you, you really defensemen can't go over and just beat the shit out of him anymore. That's just not that's not in the game anymore. You can't do that. So you let the guy stand there, but you have to know where his stick is. You got to be in the vicinity to grab his stick at least when the when the rebound's coming. That's your job as a defenseman, um, you know. And no one's there, and that, so that there's, there's your first goal going to the process. The second one, a guy uh, on a penalty kill. You're you know you got your guy that's the main guy on the on the point right now with Petro being out. Coughs the puck up. Boom! Here we go again down there. So you're just. It's little goal, like stupid goals that are, are getting scored on. And when that happens on a team that is struggling, um, it just makes for a fucking a long night. Because, you know, it, it, when you go down, it, it's so easy to go downhill. It's so easy. to. It's so hard to walk uphill. You know, and that's what the Blues are doing right now. They're finding it real easy because Patty Maroon, what, you know, could he be? Yeah, nothing's going on with him. Bozak's, yeah, okay, he scores. He's got four fucking goals or five goals. But, you know, nothing's going on. You're you're basing everything on, on on one player right now who's running your thing and 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 he's not the player that's um he's not your he's not your here we go he's not your Tarasenko and who is doing absolutely fucking nothing um so you know what 
we're, there's no leadership in this team. I don't care what anyone says. I'll, I'll, I'll argue that with anybody. There is not a fucking – if you can win two games and you watch Craig Berube talk after the game, and how the fuck can't you be ready to go? You're a team that's struggling. You've had a couple wins here now. The momentum should be turning in your favor, and you go out and fucking lay and not, not – you don't go out and lose. Like, with a great effort, you go and get fucking spanked. And that's what the Blues are doing all the time. They're, they're get, they get a little momentum, and then, geez, someone just comes in and kicks them right in the nuts. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, as I look at the thing with, you know, you look at Craig Berube and then you, you have some games that you, you win and they're you know, quote-unquote emotional wins and you feel like, okay, here we go. And it's like, okay. You know, and Craig Berube said as much. You know, you, you, you have a chance to do something here. You're on home ice. You have a emotional overtime win after stick gate, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, Colorado's a very good hockey team. Um and it's like, okay, well, how did we get here now? And, you know, it's funny. I, it, it is odd, though, to hear people, you know, we, Vladimir Tarasenko can't score a goal, but yet in, in some games, I'm not saying every game, and I'm not saying every shift for sure, but you see him giving this massive effort, and he can't score any goals. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't claim to, to, to be in the mind of any guy that scored goals in the NHL, but, you know, it's amazing to me how, certain guys they just pour in for yeah you know i mean and and we've talked about this in the past too certain guys just they, i mean they just score i mean that's i it, there's no rhyme or reason for it they throw pucks at the net they go in there i don't know if it's you know it's a if it's a skill i mean it's a skill i mean but it just seems to me that how often do you see an ovechkin or somebody like that that now we've never placed vladdy on their level but I think we all kind of hoped, hoped that this guy was going to be a at least a forty goal scorer, you know, like which is a big deal anymore in the NHL. Yep. It used to be fifty, but man, I. But I, still, if you're a goal scorer, uh, Combs, you might fight it for a while. You might, you know, you might fight because it's not like he's a, it's not like he's a twenty twenty goal scorer. He's a thirty, yeah, for and, sure. he, and he might even be more than that. Realistically, because he's got, I, I can't even. I'll, I'll tell you what I look at a shot is how. But when a guy like Brett Hall in the past has said how he shoots the puck and, uh, you know, he can, the release he's got, how quick it is and that. So if that's the, if, the, if that's in his, you know, in, in his uh, uh, tricks that he's got, that that's his biggest thing. What, then there's got to be a work, and you can say he's working his work ethics. No, nah, he's not. Let's, let's be fucking honest. That's, he's not. And, you know, you, when, you, when you struggle and goal score struggle, and, and even when Holly was scoring his 86 and he was on, there was a couple games where he'd go, but, He'd go to the dirty fucking areas. He'd go and he'd get whacked and that, but that he went to the area to score goals. And is 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 Vladdy going to the areas to score, or is he sitting on the outside hoping he's going to get this? You know, what, what's he doing really? And you know, when when I'm in the dirty areas, you got to get to the front of the net. You you got to get you got to work your way out of it. You you got to do sometimes. You got to do it on your own. And that's what goal scorers do. You know, you could probably watch where Ovechkin will come and he'll try to do stuff on his own, and eventually it's going to go in for you. And then obviously. Momentum gets you going in the right direction, and confidence level runs through the roof. And his confidence level—he's, you know, he's probably getting—he's getting kicked pretty hard right now. And so he should, because look at the money the man's making. He—he's carrying the mantle for him. And if you're not doing it, then you—you you own up to it, man. Well, I will say this: um, we had some um, <laughs> borderline <coughs> borderline excitement Saturday night. At least we had some fun with with Twitter and and the whole confusion and we'll talk about that here in a second let's uh let's take just a minute to remind people to check us out at 
bluesnhlpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show there, which is what we're asking everybody to do um, that follows the show. It's a, it's an easier way for us to make sure you guys are, are getting it. Um, also, uh, I'd like to thank uh, lineupmedia.fm where you can find us, home of Yo Radio, the newest streaming platform. You guys can download that for free on your mobile device today. You guys will love the new station look the the new version's out it's real nice lots of new things happening with it uh, download it again it is free uh, don't forget as i mentioned earlier you know we try to pay attention to what you guys are doing on social media uh, at stl blues podcast is where you'll find us on twitter if you follow us and you're a blues fan we're going to follow you back same thing with facebook we're going to ask you to find us at uh, blues nhl podcast just type it in the search bar uh, typically uh, unless there's an issue it's two shows a week uh, when you see the pinned post, which is usually out on Mondays and Thursdays, depending on the schedule around here, but uh, when you see a pinned post, if you like it, comment on it and share it, you guys are eligible to win some of the prizes that we have available for you guys. So, again, that's our ask of you. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as well, Blues NHL Podcast. Uh, follow us there. And, of course, uh, special thanks goes out to all of our friends out there that support the show, including uh, Randy Green, InnovativeCompanies.com. Uh, don't forget uh, the first name you should know and trust when it comes to construction, heating, and cooling electric and plumbing uh, all four of those arms underneath one umbrella 35 years experience and a second generation craftsman my man randy green's got you covered residential commercial industrial don't you worry if he looks you in the eye and shakes your hand and tells you it's going to get done it's going to get done so get him involved in the process early and save yourself time effort and more importantly money that's randy green with innovativecompanies.com um, also want to thank our our friends the nelson family you heard darren mention 14 year olds uh, the first the name uh, associated with amateur hockey here in St. Louis that does so much for the community, uh, does so much for our show, and just great all-around people, nelsonlandservices.com. Five-star locally rated uh, company that does tremendous work at reasonable prices. And, again, uh, you know, no job's too big for these guys. They've done some of the best and most beautiful jobs you're going to see uh, if you have frequented the Ozarks like a lot of people from this area has. When you drive by and see some of those beautiful homes with those yards that buckle up to the, the lake and everything, a lot of that's their handiwork, folks, and that's the kind of kind of job that you can expect. NelsonLandServices.com. Uh, and, of course, our friends at Adam Smokehouse, who bring you the live from Inter Arena report each week. Um, you'll hear from Dennis this Thursday, but um, we always want to spend a special shout-out to our friend Mike over at Adam Smokehouse, located on Watson Road. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, open till 7. And, of course, you can find out if you're available for delivery. Closed on Mondays, but uh, the catering is up and flying uh, for all events really hot right now with christmas coming so make sure you give them an opportunity that's adam smokehouse on watson road tell mike that the boys at blues nhl podcast said hello well kimby i gotta ask you this question i it's funny we were just blown away with Stickgate. <laughs> now i gotta ask you it, i mean I don't expect you to be up on all the rules, but did you have any idea that any of that type of like this thing went back and forth about what was right, what was wrong, and then we finally get? I think the answer is hysterical to me. By the way, um, the final answer that came from the NHL I find hysterical because it's logical, but yet it seems why would you say that? Yeah. That like that makes no sense to me because what we find out. Well, first off, did you have any idea that that was even a rule? No, not no. I would I, not with. I would have thought something would have been done about that when uh, a guy like Chara or someone's been in the league for so long. You know. Well, uh, something, and ultimately, what I think you're saying, what I think, a lot of, like there, there, there's a black and white area, and it's not even gray now because they've made it gray by their answer. So, 
what it comes down to is everybody was like the logical thing that everybody thought was, well, you obviously, since they called it a penalty, can't pick up somebody else's stick. So that's obviously got, well, we know that's not true because in the rules, the only one of the only thing of all these things that I think is odd in the rules, it distinctly says you can do that. So that wasn't it. No. So then I went back and as I and again, I looked it up. It took two seconds, looked it up, found found that to be true. I assumed it was not wrong because it would make no sense. If you can give your stick to another player, why couldn't you go pick up your teammate's stick? But well, whatever. Can, yeah, because you can pick goalie sticks. Sure, right. So I'm like, okay, so that doesn't seem logical, but you never know. Maybe there's some reason they have it in there. So you look it up, real easy to find, boom. It even it distinctly says in there, you can pick up your opponent's stick. So we know that can't be it, or the referee just blew it, right? Yeah. It's one or the other. So then I rewind it on DVR, and I notice that Pareko is looking at him and showing him the stick, and he's bending the shit out of it. So now I'm going, okay, so this yo-yo thinks because Pareko didn't go after his own stick that he that he let it go because it's broke. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what he's doing. He's calling Tarasenko he, because he thinks Tarasenko picked up a broken stick and used it. Yeah. And that's the only logical thing I could come up with. Well, then we find out that that's not what it was, that they called him for using an exempt stick. So – it and and let's face it, it plainly says in the rule book that to use a stick like Pareko's, you have to be an exempt player. Well, Vladdy Tarasenko's not an exempt player. Okay, so now we have our answer, right? Yeah. So but now, wait, hang on. This is where it gets what, interesting. What's for the exempt though? What are they? What are they saying? If you if you're six six or taller, you can <clears throat> petition the league to add two more inches can, to your stick. Can I? I'm gonna tell you something, Chromes, and I'll just I'll throw this out there just for any average fan that doesn't play much hockey or even guys that do play. It absolutely does you no fucking good to carry a stick way. If, if I if I'm playing the game and the stick's taller than me, it does me no good. I can't handle the damn thing. So it, it, the only the only thing that a, a longer stick sometimes does, which a guy like Robbie Fatoric, I'll go back to Robbie when he coached me. Robbie always did it when he was a coach because he would we go play three on three games and he would have a stick out there and he wasn't yeah. trying to score anything. He's just being defensive. He's just yeah. that sort of thing. Because it does you you have no control over with that stick's longer. It makes it so much harder for you to to uh, sure. to control a puck. Yeah, we had some. It's, it's a stupid. It's a. Stupid we had some rule. experts tweet on here that it is an advantage to have the a bullshit. Tall. Yeah. Bullshit. So anyway, hey, defensemen want taller sticks. Remember well, that to a certain extent. But yeah. then, but then, what are you going to do with it when you get it? Yeah. You know, you you can use a taller stick to or a longer stick to play a little bit more defense. But what are you, are you going to change your stick every shift? Because yeah. now I'm going to go on the offense and I'm going to yeah. grab another no, one. I know. No. Yeah. In fact, I was telling somebody, and they 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 I think they looked at me like I had two heads. I'm like, actually the. The better stick handler, had, they'd like a shorter stick. Correct. Yeah. So anyway, they looked at me like I had two heads, but whatever. So um, anyway, but the interesting part of this is it is in the rules that you have to be exempt to carry the stick. So I thought, okay, well, there you go. There's your answer. Vlad, if if Jaden Schwartz would have dropped his stick and he picked up, he'd have been fine. And that all made sense. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, it's an obscure w- rule. It's weird. Everybody's like, well, how can the referee know? Well, because how many guys in the league are six six or taller? I'm sure there's a list every year of, hey, don't forget these guys are exempt. So if anybody comes to you and says their stick's too tall, you say, no, they're exempt. I get it. Yeah. But then the, this is where it goes off the off the, the rails for me. And, and, again, it's completely logical because I said, I told somebody, like, we're really freaking out over something we will probably never see again happen in our lifetime. And <laughs> the NHL comes out and says, okay, it was the wrong call. Well, why was it the wrong call? I'm assuming they're going to come back and say it's the wrong call because Colorado should have had should have challenged it. They called it like a delayed penalty. As soon as our guy touched the puck, they blew it dead, yeah. right? Yep. So I'm thinking either they're going to come back and say 
either the guy that picks up the exempt stick has to touch the puck or play the puck, or Chicago has to challenge. So I'm thinking that's what's logically going to come back as to why the NHL said it was a wrong call. Because the only two parts in the rules that, are, that it distinctly says us, you can pick up a stick, so we know that's not it. It also clearly says in there that if you're not exempt, you can't use it. But what do they come back and say? Uh, technically, it is against the rules, but we don't want them to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just that's the same chicken shit NHL. That's you know what I mean? Here, now, what I, think, what I think is funny is it's like I was sitting there going, I mean, I guess if you jump over the boards with an exempt stick, that's a penalty. In this instance, it's like, oh, God, this is such an obscure thing, and it's going to happen. I mean, what's a shift last, 30 seconds? By time, this yeah, has been going on again. So it's like it, make, so it, it makes common sense, but yet I do find it odd that in a day and age where we can't get a call right right in front of our face, yeah. that now we're going to go, here's our rules, here's what it is, but, but here's what we're going to do. Gonna change it it just seems weird. I, but anyway, that's the excitement from yeah. the weekend. Now, yeah. besides – now. <laughs> I got to ask you this. Okay. So <laughs> the Blues, <laughs> Bartuzzo, uh, and we heard from Jamie last show, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen back. You were you were doing your thing, but he gets a little bit of, you know, he, he gets the lowdown on what went down at practice, and it nothing's earth-shattering. It was just a bad – it was just, a you know, the, the coach trying to find some blood and guts and, and puts him in a competition drill, and the next thing you know – Sanford's whacking on Bortuzzo, and Bortuzzo says that's enough. Yeah. You know? I didn't really do that, but he didn't really. Well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, Coach Henson was ready to cut Bortuzzo over it, but then Bortuzzo finds himself with a three-year extension. And that's something else. Zach Sanford finds himself down yeah, at – so I'm not I'm not the biggest of conspiracy theorists, but there's there there was a little – there was something going on behind the scenes with Sanford being like that. He must have – I mean, you've been there. I mean, he either probably got his ass jumped, got probably got told if he didn't get his shit together, he was going down. Probably thought, I'll show you, you know. So then, so then he goes down. Now he's right back up. You know, I thought if I could uh, – in all reals, something, something's gone – something wasn't going on. And I tweeted out right off the bat of something. Was something about a, I said something about a, uh, someone didn't pay their bar tab or something right off the bat. But something's happened. And uh, to – but – I felt bad for for the kid because, and the reason I felt bad for what he's gone through this year, you know, yeah. And but I but I'm not in the I'm not in the ring with him, so I don't I don't understand what's going on in the locker room. Um, <clears throat> but it, it looks awful, and because Bertuzzo, when he when there's a big fucking guy on the ice, he's not he's not that guy, you know. And I great for him, he got a great contract. Uh, I wish he'd play like that all the fucking time, but he doesn't. And so he gets a three million dollar contract. Good for you, and. Um, but I, I thought the other kid, you know, he's struggling a little bit with a biscuit, but he was getting opportunities to score. And why, yeah, but I don't, I'm, he didn't want to fight. And the guy jumps him and maybe, and Jamie probably knows a lot more to this story than we do. And, and so be it. But I still don't care. It looked bad. Well, and, and things look bad usually on a losing team. Well, what's interesting about it is, um, you know, he gets his contract. It's almost like I, I, listen, I'm not there. I don't know, but. That contract, well, no, you, it's it's not a lot of money. Um, I guess in this day and age in the NHL, if you have a anybody that's probably somewhere between, and you stop me when I'm wrong here, um, or if or, or when I, I will be wrong eventually, so I know you'll stop me. But if I'm wrong on this one, I'm assuming in this day and in, in the in the league, if you find a guy who's willing to play a little a little tougher anyway than the average player on your team, and he fits somewhere on defense from five to seven. That's not a lot of money. 
So yeah. you know, I, here's the thing with just watch him play, and and so does he show like he's got a little. I I I'll question how the fucking defense are playing this game anyway for the Blues. I I've I've questioned that from probably three months ago. It's it's just. They all think they're they all think they're Petrangelos, and they they're all gone. And I know the game's changed. And I and I asked Rivs this. I, I I've had I've, I've questioned Rivs. I said, "What the fuck's going on?" I said, "Cause I can almost guarantee you, if I put a puck in front of Mister Bortuzzo, he fucking he's going to come back with he just like I did. It's going to come back in ten pieces. And it, he's not an offensive player. And there's a job for him to do. But I watch him. He's fucking beating the forwards up the ice half the time. And uh, but so he gets the, and, and it is a lot of money. A million fucking bucks is a lot of money, Chrome's. And uh, you know that the is 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 that what is that what it is like? The, I don't know. I, I just it, it's the, the there's the potential for that player to be there. That's what the Blues need is that potential. I don't think the makeup's there, but that's the kind of player that you do need when he wants to. The guy that goes after his own fucking teammate and and does whatever for whatever reason he did it. He still did it. And so he went after a teammate with a guy that wasn't, the guy wasn't even fucking fighting back. If you watch the video, he's getting fucking cold cocked and he's trying to get away from the nonsense. So, but that's the guy that went after him. And if he did that on a regular basis, yeah, you, you deserve every dime you're going to get. You probably get more, but I know, and anyone can, anyone can call my bluff on this. I fucking know that he ain't going to do it all the time. So that, that's a fact. Well, I know for sure last year, I believe you brought his name up once or twice where he was right there when a couple things yeah. happened and he didn't do anything. And I know it upset you I, to no end. And I, I'll tell you, I'll be the fucking, I'll be the, I'll tell you exactly, Chromes. I, when I played the game, there were pretenders. And I could, I could at least, and uh, you, you could ask Twister, you could ask these guys that went out there and you could scare the shit out of these pretenders because you knew they weren't going to go. They had every excuse in the book. And um, I, I, I hope that's not, but, but I, I think that's the road. And that, that's just my view on it. So anyway, I, I hate to knock guy guy down. Congratulations on your contract, but I just wish you'd play to it. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, it was interesting though. It was almost like he, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he, he block, you know, he's part of this overtime thing yeah. where he, you know, the, the shot gets blocked. He makes two blocks or whatever, and then, and it's like all of a sudden, you know, and, and one you had quite a week. If you're Robert Portuzo, you, yeah. you, 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 you know, you got in a a, a publicly uh, viewed scrap at practice against a player that that's not what he does. That player's the one that gets sent down. You wind up blocking a couple shots and wind up with a three year yeah. contract out of the deal for a team that. Let's face it, uh, we had just heard like a day before that everybody on the roster is available. Yeah. And I stood it out. Well, I guess he's not. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought that was pretty good. But, yeah, yeah it's, uh, I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I, I just uh, I feel sorry for the fans of, Saint, of the Blues right now because I, I think their, uh, their expectations were so high. Um, I, I've never believed from day one that this team I – th- I thought they were a playoff team. I really did. I thought they could sneak in. Um, I didn't think it was. I didn't think the leadership was this fucking bad on it. Uh, and I and anyone can call me out on that too. Uh, something that's the only reason that you keep getting spanked eight to two after uh, after winning a couple of games and it's happened again and again and again. And look at the teams that are winning right now. Look at the like. Let's go off of the Calgary Flames that were just in town. And you know your boy uh, Ribs, he likes to um, praise on the Kachuk family. I think his last name's Kachuk, uh, Jamie Kachuk now. <laughs> um, but the guy, the kid that comes in here and he shows some emotion and he and he fucking jumps around and he causes shit and just you know he plays the game hard. Uh, so I, all the credit in the world to him for doing that. And people start to follow those guys. Those guys, 
Those are who you want to play with, guys that are going to put it on the line all the time. You look up and where Buffalo's going on. you got a bunch of young guys that are going balls to the wall right now. They're, they're battling for it, um, all but the one guy. He's gone MIA, but everyone else is battling for uh, – because when you start winning, it's just people like to win. And when you start to winning, you know, like, like Mr. Trump always says, like people like to win, right? You win when you get tired of winning. But these guys like to win. They are go-getters. And I don't know what we got here for go-getters. Well, you had to bring up Buffalo. <laughs> so now we got to bring up. Shit, like, I had to tweet about the shit all Oh, I know. Well, the shit show. So um, I, I, I got to tell you, I find this whole Buffalo thing it, it, about it is as interesting as I can because of the blue situation and our direct involvement in it, because, you know, here we are, the St. Louis blues, we make a trade and in, in all fairness, we make a trade and as a blues fan and the expert blues fans out there. And I, Hey, listen, I'm not dogging on you. I'm, I'm lumping myself in with you. Okay. Whether we're experts or not, it's kind of a, just a, blanket term over how sometimes we think we know everything right but it's our emotions it's how we feel but we see what goes on right so we sit here as blues fans and we go this guy and this guy's killing us and we need this and we need that we don't have this so what does doug armstrong do doug armstrong goes out and i gotta tell you i still can't believe this especially now after watching a guy play he finds a way to trade patrick berglund uh vladimir saboka and no money by the way mm-hmm now, well, Tage Thompson was the one that everybody was up in arms about a little bit. Like, oh, my God, you can't get rid of Tage Thompson. Okay. Trades them for Ryan O'Reilly, you know, who, oh, my God, you know, he makes a lot of money. He's got a long contract. Okay. So Ryan O'Reilly has come in here, and let's face it, has been all that in a bag of chips, I mm-hmm. think. I, If you're going to bag on anybody, if you're going to say anything, I, you, I, can you – you can't say one negative thing about Ryan O'Reilly, I don't think. Okay. Now – while I won't mistake the trade, oh, and let's not forget that we decided that Carter Hutton, we weren't going to mess around with that. Now, I'm going to say this. That's an easy target because everybody says, oh, my God, Carter Hutton. Carter. Well, Carter Hutton wanted to go get a, make a little bit more money than he was going to make here as a backup. Buffalo was able, even though they didn't pay him, like, big money, they gave him more money, and – for a team that was trying to do what we were doing, we didn't have the money to have the luxury of having a backup in that role. That's why you got what you got. Okay, let's 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 just throw that out there. But now fast forward, and here we are. The Buffalo Sabers are killing it. Now I don't like I don't follow them that close. I follow it enough to be dangerous. You know, you're not seeing. You weren't seeing for sure. Patrick Berglund in the column every night, Vladimir Saboka in the column every night. In fact, if you paid attention to it all, you would you would see comments like, you know, Berglund's hot, you know, in and out, you know, same shit that went on here. You don't hear anything about Saboka. Tage Thompson is a kid I think that was healthy scratched a few times, but they'll, he's showing some flashes. He's young. So, you know, you're kind of – but Carter Hutton's the one getting all the press of the former Blues, right? But we didn't trade him. The interesting thing here is, is this team is killing it and all of a sudden now, Patrick Berglund goes MIA. Yeah. And now it comes out today. Everybody was worried about him because it's, oh, my God, maybe something's wrong with him. Because, you know, in this day and age, we, we're, we're careful about to not jump the gun. Maybe an athlete's going through something like that. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the story's just come out that he's just not happy there. 
Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. Where in the hell are you going to be happy at? Yeah. This is the turnaround of a team that's doing really well. Things are going well there. They have some young talent, right? But they're doing it. They've been doing it all year without those guys. Oh, they're, they're but that's out, my point. So what in the hell? Lineup. So what are you what are you unhappy about? Is my point. Three, you're making three million dollars. Yeah. You know? So what are you unhappy about? Yeah. You know what? So uh, what you because you said, got scratched a couple times. But what you've all said. So you go and I and what I. Re- before you even jumped onto this topic, I told you what was going on in Buffalo, how they started winning with these young guys are, right. you know, full of piss and vinegar. They're running around and they're they're playing for one another. So you, if you look at the thing, and I'd be curious because I wasn't a fly on the wall, and I wish I was when the trade was made or what was going on in Buffalo. But I look at O'Reilly, and ever since he's come to St. Louis, um, you know, he's on the ice all fucking early, um, which uh, is, is fabulous because that usually people like to follow that stuff. Um, you know he's out. He's he's working out. He's you know he's he's coming to the game. He's playing all balls to the wall. You know, like you said, there, there's nothing to be mad about right now. So the only thing that I'm thinking of on this one was was he the leader in Buffalo prior to this going on? And so when Eichel gets there, they had to sort of maybe remove O'Reilly because everyone they wanted Eichel to be the, the the head guy to run with these young guys. And then obviously it frees up some salary wise too. But sure. Um, you know, because because when you look at it, you you sit here and think about well, why did Buffalo get rid of him? Like, where what's the reasoning for? Because look, nothing but good news, good things you can say about the man. So, is it a, is it an issue of money? They just got to clear, had to clear that up, or do they want to? And do they want to turn it over to make the young crews here? So they're gonna let Eichel run with this, and maybe he was ready to take the mantle over and be the leader of that team. So. Uh, that maybe they've just flipped that direction. So it was a sort of a win-win for them because they get their, their future guy for the next 10 years is going to be their captain. And, um, you know, he owns the dressing room now. So I, you know, but th- but that's good. But then, so the, you knew, so the St. Louis fans, some will argue with me on this, but you knew what you were going to get when the the couple guys that were going to Buffalo, you you knew what Berglund was. I, I, I told you what he was. Um, that was my opinion, though. Some people have other opinions, but... But he wasn't. He was MIA, and I, when I said it on Twitter, I said he was MIA for the last two or three years in St. Louis. For Christ's sake! So what did you expect? And you know the other guys, Boca. What's you know what's he, what's he, he? He didn't. He wasn't the same guy when he come back as the first guy he was. And um, you do hear once in a while though, Chrome, that Thompson kid has done some good. He was he was picking it up for a bit for a couple of weeks, and I haven't heard much of him lately. And again, but there was a couple of weeks that there's potential there, but. The game of hockey is a, you know, is a, is a mindset that you have to come every night. And Mr. Berglund uh, doesn't have that mindset. Uh, Mr. Saboka doesn't have that mindset. And Thompson's too young, maybe, to understand that mindset. So you know, the Blues made out real well in that situation. But that, that's my that's my summary of the whole thing. Well, yeah, they they made out real well, um, but it hasn't translated into anything on the ice. And you that's know, not through to him though. Yeah, I know, but I mean, but it is interesting how in Buffalo it did translate to that, and I want. But so my what, thing is this: so if, if, I, if I go, if I go around the world with that, I think we still have a few Mr. Berglunds in our locker room here, is where I like to go to, and I've been saying that, and no one likes to listen to me. But there's no one leading the troops here. There's a mole or two or three in your locker room that's got the mantle right now, and they're not carrying it the right way because the leadership I will question all day long. If you can't come out and fucking be ready to play, someone is not leading the way. And who is that? Who is that? Well, okay. So you've you've mentioned this at least once or twice, okay, which is fine. What I just said? Yeah. Oh, many more than that. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 I was I trying to be nice about it. So I'm just going to ask you then. I mean, like, 
we've talked about on here how they're all supposed to be leaders, they're all supposed to be this, they're all supposed to be that. I mean, is this a C thing? Who I, is this? A who's wearing the C? No, is this a who's shit. behind the bench? Be beyond that, or is this just who the leaders are in the locker room? Who the who the fuck gonna be on the bench? You've traded that coach out many times. The guy that the guy that you just got rid of a year ago, uh, he's up at Edmonton. And they're doing fine now. You know he that that's turned around. Oh, yeah. You know the hard ass guy that he is, and, and you um, know, and you know, Rivs is loving that. Yeah, and that's good though. But hey, that that's perfect. Uh, you know, I, I I would I assume I'm gonna sort of guess out there a little bit that uh, Ruby has sort of probably got a lot of the mentality like Hitchcock. Hitchcock coached him in junior. Hitchcock, you know, was he, Chief was around here, so Chief knows how he operates. The man's had success, so I think Chief's probably a lot like Hitch in a sense. He obviously doesn't have the the wins and the you know the respect as a coach as uh, he does right now, but I was I would assume the a lot of the same mental aspects are being used by Chief. So there's a there's a, a core group of players that have been here for a long period of time. The, the same core is always here, so it's in that core. I don't care what anyone says; it's in that core, and uh, something in that core, someone has to divide that core up. As far as I'm concerned, well, if you and I don't give a shit if you say that these guys can't. Like I know Ribs always says that you can't do this and you can't do because uh, of the contracts, these these long fucking time contracts that these guys signed, and which is good for the players. I'm I'm not, you know. But when you're trying to you're signing a guy to a long contract and he's 29, 30 years old, Jesus Christ, you know there's gonna have to come down a downside to that eventually, and we're sitting on it right now. And you know, but I still think there's got to be a way. If Army is the man that he says he is, you know, he's, everyone jumps on his ass and, and congratulates him when he makes these big trades, which he should, you know. But where's the other shit? You, you, you still got something going on in this locker room that he ain't, he ain't figured out yet. And why hasn't he figured out that? Because he's had these guys there. there. There's something there. And if and I know as, as well as the core players that you have here, there's one other consistent that's here too, the general manager. He's the consistent guy that's here too. So the core the core group and Mr. Armstrong is uh, there's there's a there's a problem there and I don't know if uh, Army's the one that's can, trying to figure it out or if Mr. Stillman's got to maybe step here somewhere and do something, but there's something going on there. Well, you know, um, I I guess listen, you've played you, how, how many years were you in the league? Oh, I, I played seven and a half years, so I, yeah, right around seven and a half to eight years. Did you ever go anything even remotely close to this with any teams you played for? I can't oh, remember. Shit, yeah, you went, went, but we were in, we were in Quebec. No, the only time I did on my, uh, the team that we were on, we uh, we were in Quebec when we, it was, the team was we struggled as a team. But we had a lot of like Joey Sackick was just getting going. Uh, Matt Sundin was just getting going. So this is probably three years before they get shipped to Colorado, and uh, you know, and then all the guys that were young guys turned into veterans, and they went go out and win some Stanley Cups. But you go through, but it wasn't there wasn't a there's a difference between so for example the, the team that was in Quebec was a lot like the team that's in Buffalo and they were a bunch of young guys and they had to get some uh, uh, some time under their belt and now look what they're doing they're, they're turning it around and that's what happened in Quebec once they moved to Colorado things turned around and it's just experience that you got to get but that's not so, so you don't got that problem here because these young guys your young guys that are being drafted they're not even all of them are playing up here right now you know and so you got a core group that's that's it man I'm, i don't care people don't have to look far it's there it's the core group of mr armstrong that's the ones that have been here on a consistent basis 
if the fans want fucking answers, uh, some if you can somehow get to them, people, there's your answers because uh, they have the answer. Yeah, I you know, um, I don't. Cl- again, I'm not a ac- hockey expert. I don't have. I didn't play in the league like you guys. I didn't. You know, I didn't. Um, I love hockey. Played hockey, but not obviously at, at any. I, I don't even claim to. You know, I. I just because you played beer league hockey or high school hockey, it's just you can't even compare them. I'm sorry. I, I know people try to, and they try to use that to compare, you know. But I, as I, I can't. I just can't help but but think to what you're saying, and I, you know, sometimes you feel like you know enough to be dangerous, though. And mm-hmm. to your point, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to look at who they've bet on. Quite frankly, listen. When I say who you've bet on. This is who you gave the money to in the length and term. Yep. That's who you bet on. Like, make no mistake about it. When you give a guy a, a, a big contract, <coughs> when you sign a guy, when you, when, you, when you stick him out there every night, when you live and die with him, that's who you've bet on. And to be quite honest, I think that's what you're talking about. And well, and, and, they are names that sometimes if you say them, it's taboo. And I know, and listen, I, you know, I love Jamie, but. Sometimes if you say a couple, then he'll look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. But I'm but, sorry, I, I, you know, it's just it's the the, the player side of me here, and I and understand this too, uh, Chrome. So when you go through the process, and when you when you get to a point where you, you want to flap a uh, like a six year contract on a guy that's been at the end, that's basically him getting paid for what he's done prior to that. You know what I mean? So he's finally there to make his money. So you, you never want to be uh, as a player or whatever. You never want to be. Uh, disrespectful to the guy getting the money. It's just when you sign a six-year contract in a fan base that's been wanting something for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden, when the you know three years into the six-year contract or whatever it is, and things aren't going right, well then you better fucking fix that, you know. And that and that's they're not doing that here. They're they're writing these out. And uh, I I sit here and listen to Jamie talk, and I, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just when when Jamie says you know you can't get rid of the and I I just. I know back when I fucking played, they could fucking do whatever they wanted. And it, it was all about an, a, a, a team. And sometimes you might have to eat some of the shit that you fucking threw out there. And it's time for you to eat it. And you got to eat some dollar value. But you were getting rid of the persons or peoples or whatever you got going on that just, that you've chosen to be your leaders and they're not doing it right now. And if, if that's the case and you're going to continue to ride that, you can bring in fucking, you can bring in other players too. Like besides what O'Reilly's doing or... Shen's doing like those guys have come in and showed that they were going to work their ass off on that. But there's a still there's something going on where those guys can't even penetrate that system. Yeah, see, because here's here it is for me, and this is where like I was going with it. I wasn't like now you're rambling on. I try to slow you down. Well, no, what I what I'm saying is is I don't I'm not necessarily saying that some of the guys that I've questioned over the, since we've been doing this, the beginning of the show. I mean, I've never wavered on who those guys are that are key figures here. But I, I'm not saying they're bad hockey players. No. I just don't know. They're obviously, and you're bringing it up, I just don't know that they're guys that you go, These are. this is the group to take us to another level. That's my point, and that's yep. all I'm saying. And to be quite frank, you, you, you ran one of them out of town, and he seems to have found his way in Washington mm-hmm. and done quite well for himself. And I love how everybody says, well, yeah, you could too if you played with Ovechkin. And I'm no. like, well, hang on a minute. They, they, they run through guys to play with those guys like water, and not everybody can stick there. And then all of a sudden, 
You bring this guy in because you see something in his game. Like, you can't tell me, like here, I, I'm going to say it. There is no way on God's green earth I that you're going to tell me that I would rather have Alexander Steen than, than T.J. Oshie on my hockey team. No way. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah, if, if, they were, if it was a younger Steen, you would have him. You know, uh, not a current. I don't even know that I agree with that. Yeah, he was a pretty good hockey player when he was younger, but it says he's been there a long time. It's just, it's there. There's something people have to just face up to the facts, Crooms, and, and then the it, it's sitting there. Um, if it's almost like there's some there's a there's some clientele that got pictures of something, and uh, <laughs> people aren't naked gonna, pictures or something. Some, something's going on because you know because it's. it's even GMs at some point will say, you know what, yeah, I, I fucking understand what you're saying. I, I, I sort of went too long or whatever, but we're not even fucking willing to go there. And it's just until you figure that out, you and and I, I'll be honest with you, this there's a core here that has to go. It has to you got to eliminate the core, and you you got to start building. You you're you're on the way to building a new core here, and you know I've, I've just named the two guys that you can start go this around. Bozak's still there. You know, I know he's struggling right now, but that's a guy, there's there's three centermen sitting right there that you can start to build this thing around. And centermen are key parts to this thing. Um, you know, I, I think you got, you, you're sitting there with Perrieko on defense, so you can start to build it around him also, you know. Maybe maybe Petro's uh and I, I know Petro's a hell of a fucking hockey player. I know he eats up a lot of minutes and they're hard to find those guys. But you don't have any, you don't have any banners sitting in the fucking rafters in, in the in the this core group that you've had around, and I'm not trying. I'm just I'm just telling you a fact. That's all I'm telling you. Well, and then that's the name I've said forever. And if I say that name to anybody, that you know, I get looked at like I have two heads, and I just and my thing is and always will be. I I don't see it. I I, I see a guy that can skate. I see a guy that can outlet. I see a guy that can do all that kind of stuff. What I don't see, and and again, I know he plays a lot of minutes, but. I, I just I don't know. He's been that guy for me for a long, long time. You see, and you, you, if you if you really want me to be, and so the rumors that go out there about how he, he's sort of involved uh, uh, with Toronto, maybe t- Toronto needs another defenseman in there, a veteran defenseman to come in yeah. there. That that if you just look at the scenario, and people are probably scared to fucking do it, but because you know Toronto's on the verge of sitting there, they're they're one of the contenders to win the Stanley Cup this year. So this would complete their. Um, this would complete their team in, in, in a big way, um, but you you know if you're getting I don't I don't know the guys they're talking about that they're trying to return here. I know there's a couple names have been thrown out, and you know if it's clientele to to make you a better person, like what if what if you're trading for a guy like just say because he's a hot guy and like the Eichel kid, just say I don't know if they are. I'm just saying what if there's a kid out there that is going to be a future one of them? Why wouldn't you do it? Why you know because you're. You you have to get to a point where you can sort of go like Buffalo and Buffalo got shit on for a lot of years. They went through this process and they've had some hell of a good drafts here and they got a lot of good young talent coming and it's all starting to go in the right direction right now. And we're sort of sitting here and we're we got a uh, we got a core group of veterans that are all sitting there. We got some young guys that we can't even get in, the draft picks. We can't even get into the lineup. We don't know if we can get them into the line. When we do get them into the lineup, there, you know, Thomas has played a little bit but not a lot and. You know, so our young guys aren't even fucking entering the system here yet. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a there's a pr- process. You have three centermen that you're running down the line at. They're all fairly young guys, and in the Blues organization, I think I think there's something you can build that around. And I, that's I think they got to start going in that direction because you're not going to make the fucking playoffs. And if you keep thinking that, I, and, and I hope they do. I hope it's egg on my face. 
I just don't see it. Well, isn't that really at the end of the day the difference? So, and this is what I mean. Like when I like using Petrangelo as an example. Like I said, I'm not saying he's a like not a good hockey player. My point is, if he went somewhere else, what would he be? He would be another guy. He wouldn't be the guy. Correct. And that's my point. And yeah. that has always been my point. Yeah. I don't. He's a he's a hell of a hockey player. Yeah, he can play. I just don't know if he's the if he's the the kingpin right now. You know, and if he, I think where he's at right now, and it's kind of crazy to say that, and that's where I was I was going to go there, and I, I went away from it. But he, at this point in time in his career, he's still going to log a lot of minutes, but he doesn't have to be the he doesn't have to be the stud back there. You know, and, and he's and he's got. He, he, just say, just for example, if he went to Toronto, look at the fucking goals they're going to throw on the board. So he can be. He can he can sit there and not have to be a fucking thirty minute guy, you know what I mean? He could be a twenty four, twenty five minute guy and and play against the top players, you know. And that would well, be well, and that's the him. interesting thing. So if you look at this, like if I was gonna say, um, if I was gonna look at it and say, what do I think is eventually gonna happen here? He would be the the guy I'd vote most likely to get traded and go win a Stanley Cup really fast, quick. Because he would, yeah, he would go to a team. And you take this team that was obviously trading for him that was already good enough that they're in the playoffs and they're fighting and they think they're good enough. Well, that means they've got other pieces too. Yeah. So then you add him to that mix and now you have something. And, tr- and Toronto, you look at Toronto, they're they're going to they're getting themselves here. They they basically have to go chase this cup down right now. And because not you're gonna you got Marner and you got uh, Matthews are both going to be on the free agent list and they can't afford to pay. Yeah, guys. that's going to be an interesting thing they, they because just of what they just did. Yeah, that's they, just an interesting. You can't just keep that. That that would be you almost have to put forty million dollars on four players. You know, and how oh. you can't build a team right. And you got great superstars, but you just can't do it. So, but that's so they they're looking to chase this thing right now. And you know they built this team up. Toronto wants a Stanley Cup, and that could be your missing piece. But. I, I don't know what they're talking about getting back. I, I don't know the clientele. Um, these young guys that they, they threw the names out. So, but if there was something there to be building in three years, I'd fucking do it. Well, um, I just got a text. We're gonna. I'm gonna get with uh, Jamie a little later today, so we'll have an interview uh, at the end of the show here from Jamie, just so everybody knows. Um, and I'll let him give his thoughts. Uh, my question to him is going to be, you know, because I know he's, you know, he's a little in tune with this. Is I don't think anybody – there's not – I don't know anybody out there that doesn't think you should blow it up, right? But I, it's, I, I, no, I, the core but, the core I do. Yeah, but, I do. But, but how do you do it in I, this day and age? Now, Petrangelo, I think, would have definite trade value. There's no doubt about that. I think if they decided to trade him, they could trade him probably pretty easily, really. Now, so. what you get back in return is another story. Yep. But, um, you know, will you – Ever feel like you got back what you should have? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that question. We wouldn't know the answer to that question probably for two or three years. Nope. But that being said, everybody that thinks get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy, get rid of this guy, it's just not that easy. No, nope. because this is a day and age of salary cap and um, and where you sit. So my my gut feeling here is, and this is the the, the most awful thing in the world to say, is buckle up, folks, is this is going to be a two- or three-year process to get out of this mess. I, I totally agree. I totally you know, agree. Because you don't just have the problem of not having the players. Now you have the players that you can't move. Yeah. That's it, my opinion. Like, I just – now, you might get lucky. Now, now I say that in, in a breath of where – I wouldn't have believed in a million years you could have traded Berglund either. No, but you know what? And I'll I'll, I'll be this is this this one here that I'll say for sure. Uh, I hate I hate to say this because I've always been a fan of his, but I I think the way that Jake has played, I think there's a possibility you could move him, and 
I think if there's a team out there that's chasing this thing down, looking for a goaltender to um, just for a, a backup support system in case the the, the top dog there, uh, you know, they don't want to get hurt and they got a team to run at the cup, they're going to want two goalies. There, there's a possibility you could get something for Jake because I, and the reason I say that is, you know, Jake's uh, he, for part of his own doing. There's been uh, shit that's gone on here in town where you know he's he struggled and he's left and then, you know gone missing and too and. Um, this year he's played well, I believe. There are still games where he lets some goals in, and people just keep going back to that. And as long as he's in St. Louis, they're just going to keep going back to that for as long as he's here. So I would like to see him go, and I think he's playing good enough this year where there's a possibility a team looking for a goaltender that think they got a shot to run at this. Uh, and I'm not saying the primary guy. I'm just saying a guy there to make to make, give a little more confidence in case something happened to number one. Because, you know, look at what Tampa Bay did the other year. The bishop goes, when he went down, you know, they didn't have no one to back him up at the time. And then, uh, so, you know, these guys that are making a run, they need two goalies to go to the system. Well, and that's the interesting thing, so we'll see where that goes. I got one last thing for you before we go, and, and I get with uh, with, with Jamie here. Um, uh, we had a little – I mean, again, and I know you don't take any of it personally or seriously, but it is interesting – the you know the Cardinals Dexter Fowler thing comes out I know you follow the Cardinals a little bit and Blues fans are typically Cardinal fans it just made me think about this because of what you know, he comes out and says that last year he was dealing with depression you know and then you have the 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 social media world that just you know was beating him up because he wasn't doing well and and you know oh you got to do this you got to do that and then this weekend you know you you tweeted something out and somebody tweeted back at you you know reminding you you weren't a great player mm-hmm. you know and this and that and I, it's I I say this all the time. Okay, I don't. It doesn't matter if I like Alexander Steen or not. He's one of the point zero one percent of athletes in the world that are good enough to play at that level, mm-hmm. um, and I respect that. Like, I would never tweet at Alexander Steen. Get your head out of your ass. Because I mean, who the hell am I to do that? Now, I'm a fan. I can have an opinion. And let's face it, if we didn't have fun talking about these opinions and doing this, well, then we wouldn't have a show. There'd be yep. no shows. Nobody would give a shit, right? Yep. I think sometimes people misplace their trust in media members to give them answers because I say to you, I, I, this is not a slight on anybody that covers the blues, but what the hell do they know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They yep. only know what they're told, right? So I think sometimes we misplace our trust in who we go to for information I think you have to treat it like what it is. And let's be honest, folks, it's entertainment. Yeah. And, and you know what? When, and, Crumbs, when I sit here and I, and you know, I've, 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 I jumped on, I'm, I've dumped on Bertuzzo a little bit today. I've jumped on the core today. I've jumped on Army today, Berglund in the past. I, I just do it because the reason I do it is I'm not, I, I'm just, I'm pretty well like you. I'm a fan too, looking through the thing, but I've, I've lived the life. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying everything that I say is correct. I'm just telling you. Now Jamie's got a closer thing because he's he's closer into the circle than I am, right. but I can see and I, I've lived it, and I, so I just call it, I just call it what my lifestyle was, where what what I went through, because a lot of this is just history repeating itself over and over in the sporting world. You know, people players the names have changed, but the game's still the same basically. Right. So I'm just calling out what I see. That's all I'm doing, and that's that's just what it looks like to me. And if people want to dog me for it, that's fine. I that, that doesn't bother me, but. Because I know who I was as a player. I know where I played. I know what I did in my junior career, and I know everything what I did. And I know who I am. Um, and I can take a fucking slap in the face with as good as anybody. So that doesn't bother me at all. So it's just when people do it, I, I'm, I'm not doing it to piss anybody off. I'm, I'm just stating what I think is true. You know what? Um, and, and where I was going with this was if you if you remember, and, and we've talked about that, I, 
I guess for me, it's really more to pay attention because, like with this particular instance, I don't. I mean, whether you think Patrick Berglund's a good hockey player, when you say you don't think he's this or that, we're talking about up to the NHL standard. We're not talking about of all million people that play hockey. Where does he rank? We all know where he ranks. He ranks good enough to play in the NHL, or the millions of people that play hockey. He ranks good enough to play in the best league in the whole world and put up good numbers. Right. At points so time, okay. Yes. What you said was MIA. Yeah. Okay. And that is that is a you know you can sit here and have that conversation all day long. It has nothing to do with whether or not he can play. Lots of guys can play. Yeah. This is a different scenario. Um, so that was that. But the second part of this that I just had to ask you about before you go is, um, you know, we we look at guys like this. Like I'm gonna I'm, I'm back on the Dexter Fowler thing because you've broached this before. This was way before social media, but you've mentioned on this show before that you yourself, at a different time in your hockey career, struggled, like sat there and thought, can I do this? Can mm-hmm. I? What's that like every day for a professional athlete to, to feel like? Now, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this before it even comes up. I want everybody to remember this. I, I think the dumbest argument in the world, just so you know, is saying that a, that a human being is not allowed to be human because they make a bunch of money playing a sport. So throw that stupid argument out the fucking window. That's number one. Don't sit here and tell me how, oh, boo-hoo, he's not doing well while he collects his millions of dollars. Just throw that argument right out the window because it does, that doesn't change your, your, your human makeup. Your human makeup, if you know anything about life, what do, what do you try to do? You try to do well in anything you do in life, whether it's be a dad, a brother, a friend, an employee, whatever it is you do, if you have any wherewithal at all, and if you have any, if you're worth any salt at all, what do you try to do? You try to be good. You try to be a good person. Try to do this. Try to do that. Same thing when you're an athlete. I don't care how much money you make. You're trying to be good at what you do. You've you've been open and honest and said you went through a, a tough stretch when you were younger, making your bones. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you even kind of went home and said, "Can I do this?" Yeah. Um, what's that like for an athlete, knowing that every night? you got to go out there and do this thing. And everybody thinks, well, it's the greatest job in the world. But sometimes it's not the greatest job in the world. You're, you're, when, you, when you play the game, and, and, and in life, whatever job you've done, if you're you know, a successful person in life, you, you, help, you hold yourself to a standard. And your ego grows off that standard. And once your ego gets to a certain point and things don't start working out very well, then your ego starts to think. And then now you're going into, you know, you go down to a part where, you know what the fuck's going on here? You you, you struggle with it more. And my, my my best thing that I can always I always relate to an athlete is and just because it happened in my time when I was even younger and I was I was into the boxing world big time. But I watched uh, like Mike Tyson. I just to, to watch the man fight uh, how phenomenal he was. And whatever Mike Tyson did in his life, you know he was one of the toughest guys I've ever I've ever seen him fight anyway. But um, so he goes through a part and whether he gets into you know into the booze, the drugs, whatever his life details around I don't know I didn't live with him but I'm just telling you what the stories are and when he goes over and he gets his ass beat by Buster Douglas because that was it just went through a year uh, the anniversary that just went through I know they had a 30-30 on it I think Um, but he was never the fucking same again and 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 was he still tough fuck yeah he was still tough but you know what his body makeup was the same but you know what it wasn't the same anymore his fucking confidence it was gone all of a sudden he was human it was gone yeah and he's back to uh, saying even though he wasn't yeah like that's the thing he's human but deep down, but but really, he's not. He's a piece of iron, and he could, and he could knock anybody out with one punch. He could do all this, but you lose that a little you, bit. It's like in the Rocky movie where he says, "Well, what's he saying, Rocky Four? He's cut. See, he's he's he's, he's not right. a machine. He's a man. 
we're all men. We're all women. We're all human beings. And and, and uh, I, I, I love this quote. It's a baseball, but it applies. You know, you have to play this game with a certain amount of arrogance and fear. Yeah. And then somewhere in the middle is where you find if you can do this or not. But, but to stay with Tyson for one second here, because so he went through that. And so then all of a sudden he's fragile now. And you're sitting on the other side of the, uh, the, the building here. And here comes Evander Holyfield, who's full of fucking confidence because he's beating the shit out of everybody. And he comes out and the, the first the fight they fight, he stands right in the fucking middle of the ring with Tyson, which no one has ever done. And he just starts swinging with him. And because he knew if he could stand there for about 30 seconds, he took the chance. If he could stand there for 30 seconds, and when Tyson figured out he couldn't, that Holyfield wasn't going to go away, he was going to keep getting his face, Tyson was beat right then. He'd beat himself already because now he's going, maybe I'm not as tough. Maybe now that I've been beat by Buster Dog, I've been doing, I'm, maybe I can't do it anymore. And so now that starts to enter your mind. And so the, the, the game of any sport that you play, the, the great ones have, they can, they, for, they can forget shit real quick. They forget bad plays. They forget they don't they don't care that they made them plays because they're going to come back with something spectacular, and it's like baseball hitters like when when they go through their process like even with McGuire when he said you know when him and Sosa went on that thing, you know when everyone put it towards steroids and everything after that not much really fucking happened everything went downhill for him after that point on you know the the, the story something was fucking fractured in their system and they they just they couldn't continue it because something penetrated. Their ego, and once their ego and their confidence got pen, look at Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, and it's I was say it's not even just on the field. No, it's who you are as a person. Now you're identified as an athlete by what you do on the field, but Tiger Woods is a great example. He had this life going on that was, by all accounts, to him especially. This Teflon Don thing, or I can do whatever I want to do. I'm the best in the world. No one's reporting about nothing either. Like Tiger, Tiger's living this fucking life, and no one knew. And all of a sudden, boom. But but and, and what's even more in this day and age, what was even more impressive is that people did know. Yeah. But yet somehow it stayed, stayed away. Yeah, it stayed quiet. You can't do anything anymore. No. That's amazing to me. Yeah. And so think about that. The the lengths he went to to keep that private. Exactly. I mean, he had to do some things to keep that private that like the average and let's face it, he's not the average human being. No. He could do those things. And then once and once it broke though, he was he uh, once it broke. Then he had to start explaining himself to this, and then so now that instead of all the greatness that he was, right. now the fucking negativity. Now is coming. he's human, and then yeah, and now so he's now human there, with flaws and faults. Yeah, and then the mental part, and mental part starts coming to the golf course because now the whole, your whole fucking life outside here is fucked up. Now it comes here, and now he can't do that. Anymore. And now we come full circle to where I was going with this, and what we have here, in my opinion, is a room full of fragile guys because they realize that they're way more than human. Correct, and Correct. that's. And if you think that doesn't play into where they're at right now, transcending onto the ice, there's no other explanation for it no. to be this bad. Yeah. It's one thing to not win games. It's another thing for oh. you know, people say, well, how can you not show up? I mean, I, I, I don't have any other explanation yeah. for you. That's, so, it's, it's, anyway. But that's your, that's, it's a mental part, man. And once you get fucking scored on, boom, the just fucking thing just starts rolling. And oh, you see it on the ice. You see the heads, yeah. you know. Like and you, and the, the, the best thing for the Blues right now, what they have to do, if they could score like two goals or three goals, now they think they're fucking in the ball. I, I'm playing with these 14-year-old kids. We were playing this weekend. We were up three nothing at one point in time in this hockey game, and they scored a goal. And I'm and because we've been we, we're, we're having a hard time scoring goals. I'm going, holy fuck, what's going to go on here now? You know, are, are we going to be able to hold this? And we've hung on to hold to, to to win, but it just it enters your mind. That's right. Is this what's going to happen? Are we going to because go this, this has been who we've been lately? Lately, so, yeah. Well, hey, good stuff, man.
You betcha. No, we'll, enjoy we'll, being we'll back. Let, we'll let Jamie uh, follow let, up on let that. Jamie with fuck his, it up now, right? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> Speaking of that, what do you hear? Speaking of that, what do you hear? You all know when you hear that music that, uh, and now I know some people want some different music for him, and we'll let him decide that. But I, I don't know that the Imperial March is better walk-in music for anybody than our own Jamie Rivers. What's going on, pal? Oh, not much, buddy. It's a uh, another Monday morning, and unfortunately, it feels like we're talking about the same thing. Well, you know, the roller coaster ride continues as uh, you know, um, as our friend Darren Kimball, you know, will will point out. You, there's there's only one consistent here and that's that it involves that it's been going on and we got to figure something out so i don't know what the answer is i don't i know people you know the problem is people look to you they look to to kimby they look to look to you guys for answers um you've been in those locker rooms you 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 know these guys you do this it it's just not a simple fix i i think we're I think, unfortunately, we're in for a long ride here, and I'm not quite sure it's going to be a very good ride for about two or three years. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I don't even know that that's ledge jumping material, but, um, you know, it, it's one thing or another, and, and it's just not getting any better. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand people, um, you know, wanting to or looking for answers. The thing is, is that we can talk about it. You and I can talk about it. Kimby and I can talk about it. I mean, shit, we could have Wayne Gretzky and Al McKinnis talking about it. And it really doesn't matter what we come up with for solutions be because it has no bearing on what we're watching right now as far as the product on the ice. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we can all assume what the next moves are. And um, as much as everybody wants to blow it up, as we've used that term a number of times, we know – we're educated enough to know that you cannot just blow it up. Um, there's more difficult things that stand in the way from a GM being able to just blow it up. Um, you know, but we are getting to a point now where like, where do we go with our coaching staff moving forward? And I'm not saying they're the problem, but I have to go back to this and Kimmy will say the same thing is the day that, Mike Yo was relieved of his duties. Doug Armstrong, you know, passionately told everybody in, that would watch his, his press conference that they were going to scour the face of the earth for the next St. Louis Blues head coach. But what he forgot to realize, in my opinion, is that he had a guy sitting beside him that he was about to hand the team over to. And now it's like everything's in limbo because the players don't know if Craig Berube staying or going based on the comments that they've heard means he's going. But then if that's the case, when is he going? How long will he be here? Who will be the next coach? Like at some point, I think you have to tighten it up from a managerial standpoint, meaning you, you get your coaching staff locked into place. And then at least you can start sending a message or you can start trading guys or moving guys, or if you're going to make moves, at least it'll coincide with what your the direction your team is headed into. Right now, in my opinion, if we make a move and then we go get a head coach after, well, doesn't that seem like you're putting the cart ahead of the horse? Because now you might have a coach that comes in and doesn't like the player that you just traded for or wouldn't be his first choice. And so now you're starting over again where you're kind of chasing your tail going, well, we have a player that maybe doesn't fit what we're looking for here. 
or the coach isn't what we thought of. So now you're back to square one again. So I don't know. In my opinion, you have to start your chronological method of doing things. And to do that, the number one item would be to build the foundation of this team by locking in a coaching staff and living with that decision. You know, interesting to me, you brought that the the thing about the interim coach or and scouring the earth for the next coach. I I guess my thought on that would be I it's probably not like vindictive or personal. Like I don't think they're not playing for their coach or not doing what they're asked because of that directly. I think it's more psychological like we're a shit show. Like we have no idea what's happening here and I just think it just brings the whole thing into question. I Again, I don't think any of the guys in the room are sitting there going, I don't give a shit what Craig Berube says. I think there's way too much professionalism and pride for that. It just seems to me like, and, and maybe I'm grasping at straws, Jamie, like like most fans are, but I just see a talented hockey team that, yes, has a couple injuries they're dealing with and things like that, but I also see a talented hockey team that is so grossly underperformed that I think we're grasping at straws. Well, yeah, we are. Um, and what you're saying, there's there's truth in both the things you're saying. There's truth in the fact that, yes, there is a level of professionalism that, quite honestly, at this level, you think guys would just go out there, and if, if the coach wasn't even there and you had to have the stick boy on the bench, that you'd think guys would take it professional enough to go and do their job properly. I know that's an extreme comparison, and it's not always the case, but this is kind of, one of the situations where I don't say it's short term, but it kind of is because it's been well uh, publicized that Doug Armstrong's looking for the next head coach. And so you can play for anybody on an interim basis. The problem with that is that you don't necessarily have a very laser focused direction that you're headed in. And this is no disrespect to Craig Perube, but he was handed a team that, it maybe it wasn't his. And, and let's backtrack that even further. Mike, you know, may have gotten a team that isn't really what he wanted. You know, like we don't know the ins and outs that happened sure. in the boardroom for signings and trades and things like that. Um, but you, one would have to assume that the systems that were in place, the things that they were doing, kind of what you put all this time and effort into, Craig Berube can't just come in in you know mid-flight and try to change everything. And he's had a couple of weeks where they've had a two or three practices, but he, he doesn't have a training camp or a preseason to set the message in properly. So once again, I say, I'm going to go back to it. I think you have to put your foundation in place, which would be a head coach. Let that head coach pick his staff. And then from that point on that staff builds what they're going to, their identity as a team what the players, who the players are that they want to be a part of that team, what style of play they're going to have. All this stuff falls into the same category once you get your coaching staff in place because then you can figure out what style of play you want and then what kind of player fits that style of play and so on and so on and so on afterwards. Um, you know, you said something at the beginning of this conversation that I'm sure fans are scratching their head a little bit about. So I'm going to let you give your thought on it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that you could give anything more than your opinion. But when you hear a guy say, you know, basically to your words, we're going to scour the earth for the next head coach. A lot of fans are like, well, what's the de- what's the problem? Like, what are we doing? 
you know, because whatever you've done here isn't working either. No disrespect to Craig Berube. The the, the fact that you, you didn't even – I don't mean this, like, to be ignorant, but the fact that you really didn't give him any support in your statements, really, um, other than a token, you know, he's our coach and he'll have the opportunity – why is why is this taking so long to get a coach? Or is this something that is better left to the off season and we're just going to ride it out? Well, there's two ways of looking at that. One, you want to find the right guy to put in there. And once again, we're not suggesting that Craig Berube is not the guy, but it's been told to us that he's not the guy. I mean, that's really what Army kind of said. I mean, I know he backtracked a little bit and said, well, you know, Craig is going to be here and we're going to get a firsthand look at what Craig can do. But his very first comments were that he's looking for the next head coach. Um, And he didn't allude to the fact right away that it was going to be Craig Berube. So we are forced to believe that they're on a coach search. And, you know, in doing that, you're going to have to ride out the rest of the season probably the way this is. I mean, who's out there? I think we've already established that this is not a match made in heaven for Coach Q. And now the rumors are swirling in Philly that he's going to be coaching in Philly. They just relieved their current head coach of his duties, and they uh, named their American League guy as the interim head coach. I guess what I'm saying here is who's out there, right? Do you really want to bring in a guy like, Alain Vigneault, who had so-so success. Um, you know, Willie Desjardins, who's with L.A. right now, and they're not doing any better. And it's not necessarily like it's his fault, but he hasn't had a lot of success in the NHL either. Michelle Therrien, who would, didn't have success in Montreal. Like the guys, the usual suspects, I'll say, that are out there, haven't had a lot of success here lately either. That's why they're without a job. Um so it's difficult. And now if you're going to go looking at colleges or junior teams or things like that, well, those guys are already currently employed, which means you're probably going to be bumped back to the off season because of contractual obligations. And a guy like Todd McClellan, who could be a good fit. He just got fired from Edmonton. He's a really knowledgeable hockey guy and whatnot, but you know, he's still under contract with the Oilers. And are the Oilers willing to uh, buy him out at a lower price? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on here while the Blues are scouring the face of the earth for the next head coach. This is what we've got, you know? I would say, again, this is I'm sure this is just your opinion, but the fact that Joel Quenville is not the current St. Louis Blues head coach, is that a pretty good sign that he is not going to be the next St. Louis Blues head coach? Well, I would say that by now that it would have to be almost guaranteed that he's not going to be the next head coach of the blues. And for people who have, you know, even a little more inside knowledge than me or anybody else, it just doesn't seem like it's a match made in heaven between um, Joel and uh, Doug Armstrong. They just, you know, Joel's a very opinionated head coach when it comes to what he wants for his team, uh, his players, his coaching staff, all these things, and, you know, Doug is, is a very uh, hands-on GM, and he likes to have not control but a really big say in the roster, how they're played, uh, the coaching staff, who's brought in. So I just 
for that reason alone, it doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. It just means they're probably not a great mix. Yeah, I, that's, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, and, I, and they were like, well, you know, the Coach Q, you have to wait till the offseason or Chicago. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the real rule is on that, but I don't, very rarely do I see a guy fired and he's not doing anything and he can't go take a job somewhere else. I don't know what the official rule no, is. No, he but. can. He's, just, he's got time left on his contract and money that's left on the deal. So basically what has to be negotiated is either a lower buyout price for the Blackhawks to say, hey, instead of two years, we'll pay you for one and we cut ties, or the team that's going to hire Joel Quenville has to pay out the balance of what's owed on his contract. So, you know, and it goes both ways. So it's what, oh, $12 million. The Blackhawks could say for $6 million, we'll pay you $6 million to go away. Right. Or they could say the Blues are going to pay $10 million in order to hire you as their coach. Right. Okay. Obviously, a, a team that fires a guy, they're looking to recoup some of their losses on this, or they just let the guy sit there for two years, collect a paycheck, and it is what it is. So, in 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 the so, are you saying that technically, um, the Blackhawks could stop him from coaching for another team for two years? No, they can't stop him. It would be decisions of Joel that at that point to, um, you know, he can forego the money that's owed on his contract. So. Uh, that is something that he can personally do. If the Blues offered him a contract, say, two years or three years at six, $7 million a year, he could turn to the Blackhawks and put in a letter of resignation, and that would absolve them from anything owed oh, okay. to Joel Crandall. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, and yeah. again, I, and I'm only, believe me, this is sheer conspiracy theory here that, I, I mean, if he was, a, and again, I know there's people holding out hope, and I get it, but as I've said, then why wouldn't he be here now? Because, but that being said, everybody's like, well, he has to wait till this off season, and the black the Blackhawks won't let him coach for the Blues. And I'm like, well, I, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's funny to hear you say the things you. Not funny. It's 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 reality, and it kind of stinks. But the fact that you start looking around and for any team that wants to make a coaching change, for that matter, I mean, how much is Joel Quinville worth then on the open market as a coach for for Pete's sakes? If you really think about it. Oh, God. Well, I think what Babcock's making, what, seven or eight in Toronto. Um, so you got to imagine that Joel Quinville's worth uh, every bit of that as well. Now, the only thing that happens with Mike Babcock is he's in a, a market where their ownership and all the money, the revenues they have coming through the Toronto Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment Group is astronomical. So they can afford to pay a coach you know, upwards of eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. Uh, where if Joel Quenville wants to come to, I don't want to say little old St. Louis, but in reality, on the on the depth chart here, little old St. Louis is going to have a hard time paying eight, nine, ten million dollars for a head coach. It looks like Babcock six point two five million. So you'd have to believe when you have to believe he's Quenville's well, worth coach, at least seven or eight million in Chicago. Right. So I'd say he's got to be six, worth seven yeah, or eight, so right? I, I think he's going to try and do that. I mean, this is probably going to be, and you never know, because a guy like Hitchcock continues to coach, and he'll probably coach until he's in the grave. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you'd probably think that this might be Joel Grenville's last run as a head coach. Right. So he's probably going to want to probably going to want to cash in, and it's probably going to take some serious money for him to sign off on basically voiding 
the six million dollars a year he's owed from Chicago. So it would have to be worth his while. Sure, yeah, makes sense. Um, well, I, you know, it, the you know, Kimby pointed out on today's show that you know he's at the point now where there's nobody going to tell him that this it this core group has been the been the constant. Whether you think they're a good hockey player or not is irrelevant. The bottom line is this core group has this is it's over. Um, we've talked about trades. We've talked about the job Armstrong has ahead of him. Some people have brought up online that if Armstrong got you into this mess, why do you trust him to get you out of it? Do you have any thoughts on that statement whatsoever? Well, they're legitimate um, points. I mean, he's the guy, right? Like we just talked about it that that Doug Armstrong is the guy that likes to have. I don't want to say complete control, but for lack of better words, complete control of all hockey operations. And if that's the case, it's a great thing in some ways because you're like, okay, we got one guy, one vision, his word, last word, that's it. And the other side of it is the same exact argument in reverse is it's one guy, his bit. So everything that's been happening is 100% his decision, which means that I guess by process of elimination is it's 100% his fault. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know that sounds like it's way too simple, but if we're going to if we're going to, you know, uh talk about the successes and, you know, applaud him in the off season and high five him because of everything he did in the summer, then you have to kind of sit here and go, "Well, it's your fault now because you did that in the summer. We thought it was great. It was not good." Uh I know you don't have a crystal ball to predict that, but at the end of the day, when you're the guy that makes every single decision 100% of the time, it's you know, either your success or your failure. Yeah, man, I tell you, that's uh, hmm, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where we go. I, 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 it's hard as a Blues fan to see this. I, you know, um, I think if you're realistic in this and you don't just want to throw pitchforks and 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 light the place on fire. I think we're talking about players that we don't want here any longer. It isn't that they're good players. I think it's that maybe they don't fit. Is that, in the end, is is ultimately the demise of this whole thing going to be not that the players weren't any good, just the construction. Like, we didn't address this area. We just signed guys that could play and were pretty good, but they weren't this or they weren't that. Is that... At the end of the day, is that the biggest thing? Is the team you put together and how they play together versus individual talent? Well, you know, it was brought to my attention yesterday at the game. I was talking to another team's executive guy, a president of another team in the league, and we'll keep him nameless for obvious reasons, but he just, we were talking about the Blues and the makeup of their team, and he brought up a really, really unbelievable point. And he just said, look, you signed these guys as free agents that you signed. He's like, you have to look at it almost like a, a vehicle, right? You go buy a vehicle, you drive off the lot. What's the vehicle worth? Usually they said, well, it's depreciation immediately, right? Yeah. Well, he says, these players that were signed to the blues, he said, not that they're not good players, but their market value was so high by default because there were so few available. So he says, you know, they come in, they play great. That's fantastic. But if they don't play great, you have to think ahead and go, 
what is their depreciation value to me if this doesn't work out? And right now, I guess almost a genius statement because now you look at it and you go, let's look at a couple players that we signed that haven't worked out. What is their value currently on the trade market? Zero. Yeah. Their value is not worth anything because who's going to want to pay a first, second round pick or a rostered player for somebody that is not playing good, that isn't working out right now? Yeah. So it's never it's never rung more true to me than that. He's like, it's not what the player is worth when you time when you sign them. It's what the player is worth if things don't work out. What can you get for them? Yeah. No, and right true. now, if you if you do that, if you think that way, you're like, holy crap, player X, player Y, and player Z aren't worth anything much right now. So we maybe have should have thought about that. <laughs> Well, I listen. You know? I, no, I agree with you wholeheart, no doubt. Absolutely agree with you. You know, the thing is though, just calling it like you see it. I, it's hard to like people want to blame Doug Armstrong. I I man, I have a hard time as a Blues fan, and I've said this 100 times. I doesn't matter whatever sport it is. I mean, I got a really really hard time with like getting upset and blaming a guy that I truly believe that took a risk to try to make us better. Um, it may not have worked out. There's no doubt. Yeah, ultimately, he's got to live with the decisions that he made, and obviously they they weren't the best decisions because it just didn't work. But, man, wouldn't you rather at least take the risk and the chance to get better? Now, I don't know. I, I It's a hard thing, man. It really is. I You know, I, I look back at the team and the, and, the, and the things that we did. Ryan O'Reilly, how can you argue that being a great move? I mean, everybody everybody wanted John Tavares. Well, you know, we, we covered that at length, right? We knew that was going to be yeah. an outside issue to get him. So he was a, a prize, right, on the free agent market. We didn't get him. But, man, it's hard to say that of – I mean, think back to all the players that switched teams in the offseason. Wouldn't you rank Ryan O'Reilly pretty high as far as performance and, and, and who they are and, and what you get as far as players that actually transferred teams? Well, I don't think Ryan O'Reilly's who we're talking about. Right, but my point is, it's not that. That wasn't the change. The change was, how are we building our team from the ground up? I mean, you look at some of these teams now that are awfully good and are getting better. I mean, these are young players that have been drafted and are being developed and are really, really like carrying the carrying the water, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, the the way the NHL has gone here in the last couple of years and the wave of the future is you're going to see less and less action, big action, on free agency, unrestricted free agency, that is. And that's just because it is a crapshoot. And, and, you know, some of these guys that three, four, five million dollar players, they're essentially third liners. And you're looking at it going, that's a lot of money I'm paying for a third liner, whereas a, a team like Tampa Bay or a team even like Calgary that we saw yesterday, they're, they're getting young players and they're develop, developing them and they're farming them for a while down the minors. And then when they come up, they're already a third line player or better. And they're at a fraction of the price. So, and they've got all these years ahead of them and probably more often than not, they're going to have better legs, better speed, um, better drive, more passion because everybody, you know, as you get older and you get further in your career, some of those things dissipate a little bit. Um, so I think you're going to see a big change moving forward and going in the direction of drafting your own, developing your own, and then riding it out with your own 
and this trend of, you know, six, seven, eight-year deals for guys that are in your organization, that's going to happen more than a four- or five-year deal for an outside entity to come in and help your team. Uh, and I just think that's the way it's trending. But, you know, that being said, I do believe Army did everything that was asked of him. Like we talked about it a million times. He checked all the boxes. Right. Now, where I think the things get a little bit blurry is were all the boxes checked as to the the way your team wanted to play. So what your coach was, his intentions were, as far as building his team, how does he want your team to play? And then do those players that you just signed fit into that style of play? Or are we trying to, in reverse now, change our systems to fit the style of player we have now because we're in the wrong direction already? And that's, I guess, it, without sounding too confusing, it goes back to my one of my original comments here today was your coaching staff has to be solidified, your style of play has to be solidified, and then you go get the players to match what those demands are, not in reverse. Um, I guess last question before you get out of here. I know you've had a busy, crazy day, and um, I know it killed you not to be in studio with your buddy Kimby. But so the last question is: Is there anything that you can think of? I mean, anything? Because believe me, Blues fans are grasping for anything right now. Is there anything you can think of that? you think could happen that we could see some sort of turnaround for the remainder of this season and get back to, I, you know, I know the playoffs right now. I mean, that's, that's a whole, like that playoffs, you know, that, that whole thing. I, I mean, that's almost <laughs> funny, but is there anything you can cling to at all that maybe we could get back to, I mean, just consistently competitive night in and nine out night in night out hockey. Well, I think that the number one thing, that, that I can think of right now. And it was discussed amongst a bunch of people yesterday after the game is, you know, former players from different teams and we all see each other and we talk and chit chat and whatnot. And the general consensus was that the only way you can win your fan base back, there's two ways. One, you just start winning every game. That's easy, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, we went yeah, easy. Piece of cake. We win. Well, <laughs> no big deal. Right. Yeah. So, but if that's not going to happen, especially in this market, you have to be willing to get on the ice and do things that are outside of your comfort zone, meaning goal scorers are going to have to lay down and block shots and you know, get in on the forecheck and finish hits and do all the gritty, dirty work, lunch pail stuff that is going to at least earn the respect back from your fan base to where – you know what? Our team may not be winning, but I'm proud of what they're doing out there. They're, you know, so-and-so's cut open for stitches. He's playing through it. So-and-so blocked seven shots yesterday and he had six hits. And you have to give your fans a reason to want to cheer for you. And if you're not winning, then the only other way to get them to cheer for you is by playing a game that is very blue collar, that you're willing to do literally anything to help your team. And by default, Chromes, what happens is you actually start to win games because you're working so hard and doing so many of the little things. So it's, it's kind of like a, a trick. You're tricking your own team or your own self into becoming more competitive every night. Uh, but that's kind of what has to happen. 
I mean, if it was me and my team, I would say nobody here is a prima donna now. We're not winning games. You know, your toe drags aren't cutting it. So guess what? This is how we're going to play, and this is how we're going to have to do this from now on. And at that point, things will start to change for us. We will absolutely work hard enough in order to change our own fate. Yeah. And that's simple. You yeah. start to work hard. Um, and, that you know, isn't that ultimately – I think Blues fans have accepted this year as being like the, the, the head scratcher, but look how quickly, though, the fan base gets excited. We get a two-game winning streak, um, if that's what you want to call a winning streak. Um, we get two games um, back-to-back. Uh, we have the exciting thing happen with the, the whole thing in overtime, which I don't – I mean, that thing has been beat to death, although you can give your thought on it if you want before you go. But, you know, the bottom line is I think Craig Brubay said it the best. You know, you win two games – and you have a chance here at home to really capitalize on that. And and I think that's where he's befuddled is that taking advantage of the two games and then having another game at home was where it was at, right? That was really what it was. I mean, yeah, three games in the standings would have been nice, but let's really capitalize on this and keep it going and then boom. I mean, at the end of the day, I that's to me is – the struggling thing, and I think that's the problem for fans. What you just said, it's one thing if they go out and they play Calgary and they play really hard, and you lose a game three to two. You're like, damn. But it's another thing to go out and just, for lack of a better term, get embarrassed. Really. Yeah, that was tough. Um, and I think you know when you look back and analyze this team with their two wins that they had, if you look at the way they played, they played a much hungrier game you know we let's just highlight the winning goal ryan o'reilly in overtime it's a shot block like right in the midsection to robert mortuzo who steps up blocks a shot then chips the puck and ryan o'reilly who's not the fastest skater in the league chugs down the ice as hard as he can you know he's tired makes the play and scores like that's just because of hard work there was nothing fancy on that play at all and that had what made that is what made them successful for those two games. So it's really a letdown for the players, the staff, the fans, everybody, when they come in against Calgary and then fall short on what they did right to be successful. They fall short on it now. They don't give the effort. They don't come out hard. They're not ready to battle. They're not ready to do the things like right away it's almost absurd to think like, how can you not be ready when what you just did for the last two games, you know, can be successful for your team. And now it's not even a back to back situation. So it's almost like, Oh, it's not, it's not, we can't say we're tired. So I think that's the biggest disappointment is that it came out flat when like, it's really shouldn't, there's no reason for it to have come out flat. Yeah. I'm as, you know, listen, just as completely, dumbfounded as everybody else. I mean, I sit here and look at it and I, it makes me go, man, I don't I'm just not sure like what's going on. I get it. I'm the same as everybody else, you know, but I, I just, I think if we could have our way as blues fans, I'm not saying we're okay with losing, but you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes how you lose. I hate to, I mean, again, that almost sounds like, well, it's okay if we, lose. it's not okay if you lose, but it's man, but how you lose is becoming, it seems like, an issue for the for a blues organization that I never thought we'd have. Like, let's face it, we've always, always, always respected hard work, and it just never seemed to me like something we were ever gonna have to worry about. That's just, again, just my opinion. 
Well, no, but you're 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 dead on. Is that in the history of the St. Louis Blues for for what I can remember? I've been here a long time, not as much as people who've lived here and the born and raised here, but I've been a part of the team in the city for a really long time, and I really can't remember a team that didn't play hard and didn't earn the respect of the fans. Several teams fell short in this and that and the other. I get it. We went through a period of time, um, you know, when Andy Murray was here and that whole thing where the team wasn't good, the building wasn't full, all this stuff, but you still had guys going out there that were battling. You still had old school guys that were playing rough tumble hockey. You still had guys who cared. And yet they walked around the community with less burden on their shoulder than the guys right now. And it was based upon how it was viewed, the perception of how they were losing. Like you just said, are you losing because you're just not good enough as a team? Okay, well, that happens. You know, we're not always as talented as everybody else. Or are you losing because of things that you're not doing or not willing to do to win? And that, to me, is the bigger problem. Yeah, no, that is about as well said as it's going to be. I I think Blues fans, and we joke a little bit about it, you know, the suffering Blues fan, but the truth of the matter is is we've been through this before, folks. I mean, we've we've had some teams. Listen, we've known President's Trophy teams. You know, we've known teams that have really finished low, low in the standings. What it seems like to me I've never known as a Blues fan is this, to be quite honest, this type of effort level on a given night. Like not every night, but on a given night, and I, I don't know. It's just it's it's a tough thing. I, you know, it's funny. We got fans of the show tweeting at us saying they feel bad for you guys because they don't know what else you you're supposed to say. I mean, I, think about that for a minute. <laughs> you know, think about it's that. True. I mean, I've had a lot of discussions in the last couple weeks to a month about you know what do we talk about, right? And we've joked about it on air. And I even yesterday, I bring up yesterday because I was at the game in, in the area where it was all the scouts and GMs and all that stuff that are watching the game. And, you know, they're asking me the same thing is what you just said. They're asking me, well, how do you talk about this, you know, in the media? Because they know I do some, our podcast, do some radio, do the TV. And I'm like, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's very, you have to tread lightly because, you know, like we've mentioned before, uh, I've worked with and continue to work with guys on that team. I'm friends with guys on that team. Um, but I still have an obligation to be as truthful as I possibly can about what I'm seeing and what I think is going on. And so it's very difficult for, for guys in our position to speak honestly without being too harsh, but then you have to speak harsh enough so that you don't come off as, wishy-washy, flippy-floppy media guy. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah, especially, you know, and, and it's it's interesting, some of the private messages we get from people are like, you know, they really respect you because, you know, they understand that, you know, your relationship with the St. Louis Blues organization. But, you know, without crossing a line, I mean, you call it like, you know, you're pretty open and honest, and it's hard. It's not easy. You know, it's it's a whole lot easier. Well, it's a whole lot easier when things are going well to maybe nitpick a little bit than it is to just look at something and say, man, it just doesn't work. Well, my dad told me something a long time ago when I was about eight years old. Imagine this. At eight years old, my dad leaned over and told me, son, you'd rather be called an asshole than a liar. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, you know what? 
Not that I'm an asshole, not that I'm a liar, but I'd like to think I'm somewhere in between that. Yeah, we <laughs> don't, you don't want man proud. Yeah, you don't want to be on either <laughs> end of that spectrum, I guess. But, um, well, hey, Jamie, I know how busy you are, and um, I know uh, amongst your other duties, uh, as always, when you do call in, SynergyHockeySkills.com uh, always brings you to us. Uh, uh, looks like finals going on in high school. Uh, everybody getting ready to shut down for a couple weeks off. I know you got some camps over the holidays. Yeah, we're uh, talked about it before. We got the holiday camps, one at Afton, one at the Ice Zone, the Blues Practice Facility. Well, the uh, one at Afton has been sold out, which is great um, for us and for all the kids. But if that's the case, you're still trying to get in, get online, SynergyHockeySkills.com, go to our holiday camps, and there's still some room in the one-day clinic that we're having at the Ice Zone. And... Uh, we have some spots available, so keep some kids busy and hopefully getting a little bit better at the same time. Well, my friend, we appreciate you. Um, I'm assuming I'll chat with you off air in the next couple of days, see what your schedule is for Thursday. And, and for all of our listeners out there, I know we're going to try to figure out what's going on over the holidays. But other than that, I'm going to let you get out of here and get back to it. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. All right. That is the great Jamie Rivers. Um, again, I you know, it's it's hard. It really is. Um People think it's easy, you know, you do get on there and talk about it, but, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world sometimes to deal with. But, you know, I, I will say this. I've got um, an immense amount of respect for all the guys that do this, that have played and, and go in the locker room. It's one thing to, to rip and, and, and shred and, and, and get on guys and have a, a, an opinion and all this kind of stuff. But then you got to go look at those guys. And I, I will say that um, sometimes people have to uh, look in the mirror and and be respectful of, of other people and if you can do that well then you know you're ahead of the game so um i appreciate him very much it's a joy having him on kimby as well you heard earlier before he got out of here um uh, again I, I guys I don't, I don't have an answer they don't have an answer i don't know who has an answer uh i'm more up to say uh i'm gonna go with the only answer lies in that locker room with the guys that are getting ready to hit the ice um are they taking a knife to a gunfight? Maybe. I don't know. I know they're all talented hockey players. They wouldn't be playing in the league. Is the, the way it's constructed, does it not fit? I, listen, that's not rocket science. It's obvious. They can all play. They just don't fit. So I don't have a great answer. But um, I do want to thank uh, all of you guys for joining us and remind you one last time to check us out, bluesnhlpodcast.com. Subscribe to the show there. Find us on social media, at uh, STL Blues Podcast, Twitter, uh, St. Louis Blues uh, NHL podcast on Facebook. Like our page. Uh, you know, see the pin posts, like them, comment on them, share them. That would help us immensely as we try to reach more Blues fans. Click invite your friends there. Invite all your Blues fans friends. Um, hit us up on Instagram as well. Uh, Blues NHL podcast. Follow us there. Lineupmedia.fm. Thank you for your continued support. You can also find uh, Yo Radio there, the newest streaming platform. You guys are going to enjoy it. It's great. It's, it's uh, real easy to use. The content's wonderful. Uh, check it out. Um, if you do and you enjoy it, leave them a review. The guys that work really hard on it would greatly appreciate it. Um, for all of our partners, thank you for your continued support. You've heard me mention Randy Green, InnovativeCompanies.com, all forearms underneath one umbrella. Uh, the construction team, heating and cooling, um, the plumbing team, and, of course, the electric team, all residential, commercial, industrial, and a man uh, that's put in a lot of time to build a quality company that's trustworthy of your uh, of your business. So check out Randy Green, innovativecompanies.com. 
Adam Smokehouse, thank you for your continued support. Best barbecue in St. Louis, folks. Don't miss out on it. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, open till 7. They're now delivering, so take advantage of that as well, if you will. Don't forget, uh, get your order in quick if you want some, uh, some, some, some large portions for Christmas. I would do so in a hurry. That's Adam Smokehouse on Watson Road, and you tell our friend Mike we said hello. Uh, Nelson Land Services, nelsonlandservices.com, five-star locally rated company at reasonable prices. Uh, guys, I'm telling you, they're the first name you should know and trust, nelsonlandservices.com. We appreciate them for their continued support. Uh, everything they do for amateur hockey here in St. Louis and their relationship that's uh, solid as a rock with Jamie and Darren, and they just love being a part of it. So thank you so much to them as well. Um, to all of our Blues fans out there, uh, <laughs> you know, proceed with caution, really all I can say. But uh, we're fans. We're going to keep watching, and we're going to keep hoping. Let's go Blues! This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.